you probably had somebody really good on your team and they walked because they got ignored. They didn't feel appreciated and all those things. And I think that's a big key to leadership is appreciate them, touch them base with everybody. How's it going? What's going on at the house? Everything. Okay. How's pay going? I've even mentioned that to my boys. How's pay going? You know, you feel fair. Don't wait around for the up bus. Get in the driver's seat and take control of your operations. Are you ready to increase profitability, have better processes, and get proactive with your operations? Welcome to the Up Boss Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here with Jason Rice. That's right, two Jasons, two, just more of the fun, double the fun. That's what it is. You know what it reminds me of? I know I'm supposed to be doing an intro right now, but I'm totally getting off track. Do you remember those old... Uh, uh, double gum commercials. It was like double the fun. I don't know why. Double mint or something like that. Yeah. Mint, right? yeah. Double the they fun. had twins in the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that might be our intro theme for like this podcast. We just double play, mint. you know, double the fun. No, I'm just kidding. I think it's double mint bubble gum. Yeah. Something like double that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come jam with us. We have an amazing topic on the Up Bus podcast today. We get to talk about anything and everything we want to talk about when it comes to effective management. And I'm excited for this topic. Um, I just got off of doing uh, about a week worth of kind of in dealership visits. So I am like chocked full to the brim of all kinds of things I need to say when it comes to me. No, look, I, all joking aside, I saw some really great operations and then I saw some that didn't effectively make me cringe. Um, but but th th there, are, there are some great operators out there. And there's, of course, there's always room for opportunity. Guys, the up bus is all about being proactive and not being reactive. And that is what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> Jason, how's your week been, man? It's actually been really good. We're getting a lot of a lot of dealers reaching out. Um, at least the proactive ones trying to get ahead of what this market shift's doing. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things changing right now. So it's yeah. it's it's. But you know what though? This is the time, and I think leading all the way up to NADA, I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Is I'm actually excited uh, for this upcoming NADA because I, I think we're going to see those proactive dealers that cream really kind of rise to the top. And we're going to start seeing it at the conferences. It's going to start showing at the conferences. People with yeah. intent, people with drive, right? Anyways, uh, so if you are you have intent, you have drive, and you want to be proactive, this is the podcast for you. So our first topic of today is to how to develop strong management for your dealership. The key word here, I think, is develop. I think too often we think with there there's a management store like an Office Max that we can go and just kind of like. Maybe there's a vending machine. Carbono made one. Maybe we can make a car. Maybe we can make a vending machine for management. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I would love to get your thoughts, Jason. And I'll intervene when I because I got some in here, man. I've been waiting for this topic all day today. Um, <laughs> your thoughts on how we develop stronger management at a dealership? Well, I mean, my initial instinct is you know lead by example, right? So you know when you go in or when there's customers out there, you know. Go get off your butt and go meet and greet the customers or, you know, make sure that, you know, here's the thing. The, a lot of times when uh, managers go in and TO, when it, it's kind of too late, it's when the customer's ready to leave versus taking a proactive approach and doing it, you know, during the meet and greet or during the while we go get the keys and pull the car up or during the appraisal process. So, 
you know, getting ahead of, you know, the deals and the customers and their mindsets and letting them know that, you know, you're there to help them instead of just trying to sell them something and beat them up on their trade value and things like that. I think if you get proactive, obviously, uh, again, going back to the bus, instead of just sitting back and waiting to go into TO to try to save a deal that's already lost is to just kind of lead by example and get out there in the first place. Uh, look, proactive is definitely going to be a key to getting out there and making those changes. You know, when I think when I think of kind of development, I actually, you know, my my head originally went to like almost all the way down to the point of the interview. You know, and a lot of times we interview people, and we interview them for a position, and we don't necessarily talk about what they ultimately want to do or what direction they want to go in. So, you know, for me, I think of like development. Development should almost be mapped out at the point of the interview. You know, yeah. if they're coming on as a salesperson or, or hell, even if they're coming on as a lot attendant, but they have a dream and a vision that they would like to be a manager someday. You know, um, I, it, you see this in other verticals. I don't see it enough in automotive where we're actually taking the time to map out what does it take to actually become a manager versus just, you know, I, I hate to say it. And I was actually at a couple of dealers <laughs> just recently that you know the key to being a manager was outlasting all the other salespeople on the floor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> being loyal, right? Right, was being loyal. But like, what would you say? You know, if you were to put it from more kind of like um, a stage kind of a thing, is what do you think are some of the key stages, or um, or maybe even training or classes? That's another thing. I, I'm surprised that we. Well, that's not true. There are some great dealerships that do consistently train and share a lot. But it, management just doesn't happen overnight. It's something you got to grow into. And I'd love to get, you know, kind of your thoughts on that. Well, I think, too, is uh, given the opportunity to the people on your staff, it just seems like, you know, I left the dealership in 2000, oh, 2005. And then I was in V Auto till 13. So I was on the vendor and, you know, the quote unquote dark side. And what's funny was, is I end up going back to the same dealer group that I left. And at that point in time, they're actually listening to me. You know, I was three or four years in the, in the inventory management with Viato and training. And they actually invited me to uh, their GM meeting uh, that they had at their dealer group. And then they even invited me to the GM retreat at their, you know, another year. And what's funny was that here I was working for this dealership for uh, this dealer group all together, maybe five years. I was their internet director for all their stores. At no point in time did I get invited to the GM meetings and everything else, even though I was touching every one of those stores and all my ideas that I had back then, no one wanted to listen to me, you know? So I end up, you know, going, all right, well then uh, part ways, but it was funny when I was on the other side and then they'd listen to me. It's like, gosh, man, if this was what was happening when I was there, you know, I probably would have stuck around, like showed me some value. So I think it's real important to, you know, not just broom or brush off, you know, some ideas and some insights and things that other employees trying to do being proactive and trying to be ahead of the game and saying, Hey, this is where we think we should go. And you, and you broom them off. You know, I think that's, I mean, to the point where, you know, I guess to be explicit, you know, I was sitting there trying to find a, a way to do a centralized BDC, spend a little bit of money. We had a, we had a building that was empty because the Ford store built a brand new facility, didn't tear down the other one. There's already office uh, equipment in that old building, plus some at the other stores. I'm like, I could put a whole team together with very minimal expense between desk and, and, and computers and, and chairs. I mean, we got a lot of that already within the group. Let's put it in this building and let's centralize. Ah, we ain't got the money for that. 
And then at the same time, you know, months later, they buy a big old hundred, $200,000, um, you know, class A RV wrapped <laughs> about, you know, their soccer club that they, ho- that they, that they sponsor, you know, and I'm like, you know, okay. So my point is, it's like, um, you know, regardless of that, it's, you know, there's probably people on your team members as a, as a leader, as a manager that yes. you should build up, you should take some of their ideas, maybe run with them and let them, that encourages them again, that helps them not leave. Like you said, the managers end up getting promoted. The ones that survived everybody else. Well, why'd those people leave? You know, you probably had somebody really good on your team and they walked because they got ignored. They didn't feel appreciated and all those things. And I think that's a big key to leadership is appreciate them, touch them base with everybody. How's it going? What's going on at the house? Everything. Okay. How's pay going? I've even mentioned that to my employees. How's pay going? You know, you feel fair. I mean, just stuff like that, because I'd rather them tell me and be honest or, hurt my feelings than them just leaving and because they didn't want to hurt my feelings you know they well, got a better offer somebody else that's investing right like I, look I, th- I think anybody out there watching listening right now and you know if here, here's here's the stress test so i'm going to stress test if you guys are actually developing out your staff all right it development requires an investment in time and money if you can look on your calendar and see that you have invested time, meaning schedule time to develop your team, you know, into the managers that you want them to be. And are you investing in, if you can look at your PL and show me the line item where you are investing it, then I would say you're effectively developing. But to your point, and you said it, Jason, look, <clears throat> if you're not taking the time to, <clears throat> excuse me, meet with the team, work with them, get to know them, understand their why, how are you going to help develop them out? And yeah. if you're not going to spend the time to uh, invest monetarily into those efforts, like, I don't know about you, man, but I remember like when I first started, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, you know, it was very, very common that a good chunk of, let's call it like physical square footage inside of a dealership was allocated to a training room. And I don't know what happened over the years. Now, there are some still dealerships that I think maintain that, but I'm actually seeing less and less of that. In the last three years with COVID, of course, you know, you didn't have to train much. Anybody could sold cars. But also talking about investment, it's to me, it's coming down to confidence because here I'm going to train my salespeople. Right. If I uh, either do training at that building with some, you know, tapes or, you know, VHS tapes of no, but if you if you do some training, even bring somebody in house to train your staff. All you're really doing is trying to build their confidence and overcome any objections and have confidence in their sales pitch and so forth. But as a manager, I want my sales team to have confidence in me. Now I'm not going to go through word tracks and you know things to be able to have them have what how they get confidence in me because I'm desking their deal. I'm appraising their car. When I tell them, hey guys, you need to go back and tell them this because of this, this, and this, right? I need them to have confidence and trust in me that they like me. So only way that I can get my sales team to have confidence in my management role is to invest in them and spend time and understanding. And then they go, you know, I like this guy or, you know, he really looks out for me or he really expects, respects me and he really listens to me or who, whatever. And so to me, those and it has to do with life too. growing up in middle school or high school, trying to get a girlfriend, you know, the, <laughs> the shy, you know, embarrassed kid versus the confident kids are the ones that, you know, it tends to succeed in those environments. So it, it's life in general, you know? Um, and so having, 
having your team have confidence in you as a management team is not, you know, sales pitches and, and word tracks. It's, it's what you put into them. Yeah. So I almost think that's more important than having a training room or an internal trainer. I, I, I'd, I'd want that first. I want to build that relationship, trust and everything else, and then let somebody else, you know, maybe I can do it, but my, as a manager, maybe I can teach, teach them word tracks and everything else. But, uh, you know, I, I think my role for them in my eyes would be relationship wise. Yes. A trainer for the, the dealership would be to, you know, word tracks and everything else, the, the ins and outs. Um, no, no, no. That it's like, like having a, 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 a trainer at the gym doing weights and you have a, a, a dietitian. Right. No, no, you're 100 percent right. In fact, actually, I was going to, I was going to go to a similar analogy like that. Right. Like, you know, trainers train on the activities required to get the, the job done. Right. Coaches develop people to individually be be the best they can be themselves. You know, they lift each person up individually. And and to your point, right, that 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 investment, that that's time, yeah. um, which I understand from an operations perspective, it's probably one of the most expensive commodities we have. Oh, yeah. Think about it. I mean, going to the gym takes time and effort and energy, which no one wants to do, but you need to, right? Getting a dietitian, everybody's got to eat. That doesn't take time. I'm going to eat lunch one way or the other. Might as well eat it right, though, right? So, um, and, but rather, I'd rather eat the right things than the bad things. So same thing, word tracks and saying the right thing versus the wrong thing. To me, you know, you need to have you can get somebody that's good at both, but not great at neither, right? So I need somebody that's great at personal management and, and, and relationships as a leader of my team. And then I need somebody that's just good at, at, the, at, the, at the, you know, the ins and outs and the small things, teaching them those kind of things. Again, you can do both, maybe, but I'd rather have somebody, you know, great at, great at both. A hundred percent. One of the things I noticed too, as uh, I've been doing my dealer visits recently, is um th there's definitely a difference between let's call them the management teams let's call i'll call them maybe levels right i mean look jason both of us are, are kind of a we, we we embrace the theology of people process and technology like it's just like it all comes down to kind of those three things right and you know the one thing that i kind of found super inconsistent when a lot of these dealer visits is management's approach to process i hate to say it all right, but well over 70% of the people I sat down with, all right, I'll tell you where the process existed. It existed right up here in their head, not on a piece of paper, you know, and I got thinking about that, man. I just like, man, what a loss opportunity there because we're not documenting processes. But then I was like, okay, well, all right, so let's say I, all right, I'm going to document my process. I'm going to be a better manager, but what processes, where do I start? And that would, that's my question to you, given, you know, all of the challenges and ups and downs that we're dealing with right now, currently in the environment, uh, the automotive environment, you know, what would be, mm, let's go three, what are your three, your top three processes that should be documented at a dealership right now? Let's do that. Well, if we're not talking about managing people and we're just talking about managing a store, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. we did a dealer workshop and I, and I, and I focused it this way was, um, these three areas. Matter of fact, there's three areas. One was inventory. Let's get our inventory, right? Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people run into advertising and, and things like that. And, and to your point, internet follow-up processes and stuff, 
But if I advertise bad cars, doesn't work. If I advertise great cars and get leads that no one's following up with, doesn't work. So I want to get the inventory right first. Let's let's do that because then if my inventory is right, I'm going to drive traffic, right? And traffic solves all problems. So now that I have traffic, then establish your internet processes and follow up management. Once that's tight and you're doing it that effectively, then you then you go to marketing. And so, um, but again, a lot of times we chase that new shiny tool that, hey, let's do Facebook marketing. Let's do, you know, chat GPT for this, or let's do this and that. And it's just like, hold on a second. You don't even have your inventory, right? And even if you did, you got leads in here, you haven't followed up for 20 days. So why are you even trying to worry about marketing and getting more leads when you, you know, so I would, I would focus on inventory first. Once you're getting leads, making sure they're followed up with once that's tight, then you start feeding the beast and advertising and pushing more and more at it. Um, and those, I guess those are the three things if, you know, you're talking about just managing a store. Yeah, that's that's where I would go. No, look, I, I, I'm with you. You know, I would 100 percent. Number one's inventory. You know, if I was to uh, maybe add to what you what you stated, I'd probably slip one right in between inventory and marketing. And I would say communication. Right. Um, that's the one thing that was actually really cool about COVID and everything that happened. Right. As an industry, we literally had to step up our game when it came to communication. We had to it forced us to communicate the way the the customer wanted to communicate. Did they want to communicate via text message? Well, well it wasn't the way they wanted. It. it was about the only way we could. We couldn't. Hey, come, when can you be here? <laughs> we didn't have an option. There was no option. Have an option. Yeah. And sometimes that's the best thing for us because, you know, then it's not about us and it has to be about the customer, right? So, you know, it's like, yes, you're you're so right. When it comes to inventory, you know, do we have the right cars? Do we even have the right mix of those right cars? Do we understand what the, you know, what, what our identity behind, you know, the inventory that we're choosing is? And, and are we making data-driven decisions around what inventory? And then, like I said, the only thing I'd add is just right in there is what is that communication strategy? Are we, you know, do we have a proverbial bat phone to the dealership? You I guess the other one from forward to back, from mm -hmm. the day you start managing inventory would be branding. And that's where I think confusion is also. Mm. People don't understand the difference between branding and marketing, right? When I'm talking marketing. I'm saying, you know, getting cars out there in front of people. But branding to me is, yeah, from day one, let's start doing videos. Let's start doing uh, testimonials. Let's start, you know, doing our face our google you know business page and 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 make an awareness of what we do in the community that's that could be day one also and that would be the fourth layer but that one's going across every part when i'm emailing communicating with customers i'm branding also when i'm marketing i'm branding also um but i think that also starts at the very beginning which is you know market sometimes it's marketing dollars and things like that too well, but you know what, though? Too often we get into a marketing strategy. We never defined our brand in the first place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know. Let's I know we're finding a rabbit hole, but I like these rabbit holes. So let's go down this rabbit hole of brand. Right. Now, because this was a topic that came up in some of the meetings that I had recently was, you know, you know, what is your brand? I will tell you, I got some pretty standard questions. I got replies. Some somewhere are pleasantly surprised and then some I got some standard ones. Right. Most of them was, you know, we're. You know, we've been in the community for 26 years. We're family owned and, you know, da, 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 da. I'm like, that's not your brand. That's just that that's your about, you're about a story. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, um, you know, Jason, why do you connect to a brand? Like, 
you know, there are certain brands that you that you connect to, maybe shoe brands or or certain vehicles or what what's a brand you follow right now and why did you connect to it? Hmm. I don't know. I guess I mean a couple of them like off the top of my head, Garmin one, two, um uh first form, um, which mm. is a supplement company. Um I could think that I do, you know, subscription stuff through them. Um, I did whoop for a while. I appreciated that. Um, and it was, it was like a mixture of the, uh, well here, another thing, and this is weird, but it's sports, you know, like yeah. in KC, you know, we, we've got season tickets. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about going on Sunday where they got an open event for season tickets with meet the players and you just become part of that environment. Right. Which That's is pretty cool because there's a uh, universal, uh, people there, right. With the same, uh, likes and so forth. So you just start, um, so I, I, you know, and what, you know, what the other thing is, is sometimes that brand recognition doesn't happen to acquisition. And so what I mean by that is we just bought a, a pontoon or tritune, right. And it's a Sullivan. So next thing you know, I'm a Sullivan's Facebook group. I'm in Sullivan's, you know, I'm sitting there following that brand and I'm like, cause I own it. Right. So, um, you know, I, people do that. They go buy an RV and whatever brand that RV is, they, they follow that, you know, that group and that tribe. And so um, it's not so much. But, but that, but that's why we connect to brands. So there's, I find there's two reasons the, it either um, represents us uh, or as we stand now. So therefore like, Hey, I own this one. I, I want to make that a part of my brand as well. And then the second one, it represents something that we do want to be a part of, but yeah. maybe we're not quite yet you know, or, or we'll never be able to. So for example, like the professional sports teams, right? Like I want to be associated. I'm never going to be out there playing with the players. <laughs> you got the jersey, don't you? And but I got the jersey, right? The so it's like, your car. Yeah. So like, it, it's my way of being able to kind of be a part of them, but I'm not really out there playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I find for dealerships, if you guys are sitting there kind of questioning, kind of like, what is my brand? It like, the brand is not necessarily what you do, but how you do it. And so it's kind of a, a combination of mission statements, you know, you oh, put, so put your mission go. statement and then turn that into your brand. A hundred percent. In fact, that's actually, Jason, that was a perfect segue into our third topic today because we're talking about management versus leadership and, you know, tips and tricks for fostering employee engagement and growth. And I will tell you this, I, less less than the fingers on one hand, you know, is the amount of dealerships I've met that have, you know, a documented, well, it's well understood mission and vision. And, and you know, a lot of people talk about this thing called culture, and they want people they want their employees to engage and they want their employees to grow. But without a mission. I mean, I don't know, like to me, I set up missions all the time. You should see when I take my three kids to the grocery stores, like it's straight up. I got a vision in my head, how it's going to happen. It's going to totally not going to happen that way. I got a mission that we're going to go in under the radar. There's three things we're going to get and then we're going to get the hell out and never works, but at least I try. Um, <laughs> now, what's your thoughts on how dealerships should be creating mission and vision statements? Well, a couple of good examples. Liza at CMA, you got Patrick Abad at Beaver Toyota, mm. uh, Cummings, you know, they do a great job if dealers want to do some research. But I think they're simple uh, my, action plans you can do today. One, I, I don't know about you, but probably I at least put it at 60 percent 
could be as high as 80 percent of the dealership's website staff page has yeah. very little of data or none on their actual staff. I mean, because here's the thing. I get a, somebody with a demo request. I'll go to their website, go to the staff page, see, okay, is this a, is this a manager, a used car manager, GM? Who is this? Yep. Nothing. I go to their Facebook page. I can try to look them up on Facebook. I pull them up or I get a Facebook. They want to connect and I go there and they have no employment information. I don't know. Are you in a dealership? Do I see you? I mean, so I think staff page is real important. And what we do here, you know, at Laptop, I try to mimic what I, you know, what I preach. I, 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 I have a staff page. I have a bio on everybody. You yes. know, the majority of them will have videos of their, their background and where they came from, what they like about their job. And um, because here's the thing, I've, I've heard the couple of excuses. One, we got a lot of turnover. So blah. two, oh, I'm afraid of my master technician, the dealer down the street's going to steal them. Okay, well, the fact that you're not investing in them and promoting them on your website probably sets the stage, you know, for them not to want to be there. If you're investing, and you're promoting and you're proud of your team. And you. And then the second thing is, as a leader or manager, you know, again, lead by example, go out there and start doing videos and showing them because then it gives the salespeople more confidence to get in front of a phone and say, dude, it's not that hard watch. And hey, come here, join us with this and come check out this car and do that as a dealer and introduce, you know, Alex Flores does a great job with that yes. with his dealerships. Right. Um, you know, so, but that becomes an example to, again, allow your team one, if you do photos and, and bios on everybody, um, that shows them that you care about them and you're wanting to promote them. Um, if you're doing videos that encourages them and shows them it's not that hard. Those are easy, quick things that it does a, a engagement, right? Yes. Like I can go up to Tommy and say, come on, Tommy, it's not that hard. Here, watch. Grab a phone. Here, come here. And we're going to go live. All right. Come here, Tommy. Look, hey, I want everybody to meet Tommy. He's shy, but he's a great salesman. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, hey, what's your hobby, Tommy? Well, I love doing this. Hey, anybody out there love camping? You come into the dealership, you ask for Tommy because he's going to know what, you know, do that stuff with your team because that to me goes back to the beginning. You know, you got to invest and then they're going to have confidence and in, in, in trust in you. So when you're doing a desk and a deal and you're trying to get them to hold on a trade or you're trying to close a deal on a customer and a $2,500 more payment, even though you're all dried out and you can't adjust anymore and they're either walking or they're not, you know, they got confidence in you versus if they think you're, they don't like you, I don't trust you, and they do have closing skills, they're going to manipulate you and the deals and work the desk harder than the customer. Well, see, that's right? the difference between management and leadership, right? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll be the first one to admit, I've worked my fair share of managers over the years. <laughs> okay, Like I have, I've worked my fair share of them, right? I knew which manager I should take which deal to. And I knew, like, I knew that. But that, what you're talking about here is really good. That's a difference between that leadership, right? The leader's the one that's going to grab, you know, Jimmy by the arm and say, come on, man, let's do this together. Right. And, and I'm not, look, I think we need to have a balance of both management and leadership, you know, at a dealership, but the, the, there is a difference, you know, um, you know, can managers, you know, help support the employee engagement and growth? Yes, but it's from a supportive perspective where that leadership to, to, to your point, they need to lead that. And, you know, first, first was it leadership one-on-one is you're leading by example, you know, but it's, it's through, it, it, 
how 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 we create that space that space for leadership inside of our dealership because I find too often we have a lot of managers running around managing stuff, managing yes. people, managing those processes. But you know, is there a clearly defined leader that is making sure that the growth factor is always kind of there? Yeah. Well, that's got to go two ways also. You know, we're we're beating up on the managers and they could try as much as they want. But I think the employees as a salesperson, if you're figuring out how to get to that management role, you know, you do should show respect. You should look out for the of backs of that manager. You should listen and, and try to do what they're doing. As long again, as long as the manager's teaching you, treating you with respect and everything else. Um, you know, one example that I did, you know, um, I was bad in some areas. I got cocky in some areas, obviously, but there's other areas. Like I remember a particular scenario where I had a manager, I was an internet guy and, you know, um, had appraisal GSM at the time was desking a deal and he, Hey, come with me. Let's go appraise this car. We go out there. He test drives it. He comes back in. He, he looks kind of looks around the car previously and drove it. And then we're walking inside and, and I turned, I said, Hey, I said, do you see that hail? He goes, there's hail. I'm like, yeah. And he goes back and he looks at it and he's like, um, I'd like, look. And he's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And he, and from there on, he, he had some, he, to the point where at one point in time he came up to me and he said, I appreciate what you did, you know, cause that could cost me the deal. I, I, that would have made my deal a lot easier. Right. He probably would have praised it two grand more, but because of the hail, I got hit, you know, and it made the deal tougher, but I was honest with him. I didn't let him slip through that cracks and, and that built the trust with him, right. To trust me yes. because I respected him and I didn't want us as a team, as a, I wasn't just looking out for my pocket, right. I was looking out for the dealership. So it does go both ways. You, you were, and I love that story, you know, but I think the thing is, is that you were in a place where A, you were confident and B, you felt safe enough to be able to say what you needed to say. Yeah. You know, so like when we're talking about like fostering employee engagement and growth, um, you know, like, are we creating an environment, you know, are, are our managers creating an environment that it is safe to, you know, maybe push back or ask for extra things. You know, I mean, I, I find too often, you know, I'll go in to talk to, you know, I actually was, again, we're, 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 I'm using some generalizations here. So guys, please don't take this generalization. There's some great operators out there. Um, you know, but I did one dealership I was in just a Subaru dealership just recently, you know, um, I watched a salesperson, um, do an appraisal on a vehicle and, 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 and I saw him not drive it around, around the dealership. It just literally just filled out whatever and did that. And I said, real quick, I'm curious, like, why, why don't you do that? Cause that's, that's because only the used car manager could do that. I, I can only just fill out the information. I said, well, why didn't you go ask him? Cause I, I don't know, man, he's in a meeting right now and I don't want, I don't, don't want to bug him. I don't want to bug him. You know? So there was this element of fear, you yeah. know, because th there wasn't a safe place for, I, I, I don't know. So that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, you know, from a leadership perspective, guys, we have to ensure that we're creating a safe place that we can actually, you know, have growing opportunities like that in our dealership. Yeah. But again, if I didn't like or trust that manager, I would have just let him screw it. It's his problem. He bit it. Oh, that's, right? Exactly. You, know you would have just let it go. Right. Just yeah. let him eat the $2,000, whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a balancing act. It has to come from both ways. Um, come, somebody keeps pouring into you and trying to help you out and you, you just keep pushing back. Um, but again, I knew, I knew my limitations, you know, when I was doing internet and customers mm -hmm. back then, you know, we're talking, like you said, early two thousands. Um, you know, one of the, the things I would say to customers, cause they always ask what their trades worth. Um, and I, my, my role on that on the phone was 
Uh, have you looked at Kelly Blue Book? They say, yeah. I'm like, if you're comfortable with those figures, we shouldn't have a problem earning your business. Never said I'd give it to them. Comfort could be a grand here and a grand there, right? Sure, of course. So got them in the door. But I knew what that car was worth. It if Let's say if, if it was worth 12 grand, and I even knew maybe even wholesale was around 12 grand, you know, I, I would work the desk because I knew whatever number, when I go up to desk the deal, they're going to say, well, what, what's the number customer wants? Well, if I said 12, they're going to hit me at 11. Always. Every, Always. Time. Every time. And the car was worth 12. So then I'd go up there and say, oh, they want 13. So guess what they hit me at? Wow. <laughs> There's the process. All right. So all right. I made it. But again, I, they, I knew they weren't burying themselves in the car. I knew what it was worth. Customer knew what it was worth. I know wholesales that way. So, I mean, there was that cat and mouse game that you did to try to make deals. But again, I, 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 there's also those times that I said, no, you know, this is right. This, this thing's got hail. You know, I'm not going to risk my deal because of it. Customer knows it has hail. They didn't mention it, but um, they know where they have it. So, I mean, there is, but I just, again, there, nowadays it's a little bit different. Everybody's, a lot of dealerships are, one price, one price appraisal, we're worth in a few hundred bucks, not a few grand. Customers are more educated now than back then and vice versa. So, um, but it, it's still working because I think one price even increases uh, the requirement for trust across the board even more so now, right? You know, because you don't have these. Uh, these gate tolls to go through. You know well, I mean? well, the problem is when I did that, when I did the, you know, work the desk, said it, they wanted 13 when they really wanted 12 because I know they'd hit me at a gram behind. <laughs> it was a manager I didn't trust because they would always tell me, the internet department, all you guys do is give away shit. And I knew okay. they'd come in with the deal. They're going to try to steal the trade from me because it's an invoice deal or whatever. And I, I knew different. You know, I took a stack of 100 of my my sales sheets and averaged out my front end gross, which was like 1240 or something. And I went to the manager and said, what is your front end gross? Oh, 1250. Well, mine's 1240. So, okay, shut up. So I'd get mad and that's where I would do those things, but I didn't have that trust. Right. And so yeah. uh, the other manager, I trusted him, the GSM, I trusted him. He wasn't at the desk that often. And that's where I, you know, said, Hey, hold on, this got hail. Right. So there's a balancing act there that you got to make sure you're not, you know, well, th there's a balance, act, but there's also a way to do it because this goes full circle to what we started off with this podcast was, you know, you, you invest into the development of these people, the trust and confidence factor goes through the roof. All right. Um, they got your back. You got their back. Like you just need to have, like, if you're going to foster employee engagement and growth, all right, then you need to invest in your people. And if the first step is just time, like you said, at the very beginning, Right. This all comes down to it. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that that the one manager you had that, you know, that you, you watched out for and you trusted probably invested some time with you, even if it wasn't something as simple as just having a coffee. With you. And it wasn't so much trust as much as we just characteristic. Like, you know, we got along a lot. You know, we give each other. Shit and it was fun. And <laughs> but I knew my role. He was GSM and I was the Internet guy. Right. So I knew that that role. But. You know, at that time, it was the the used car manager that would always complain about the grosses that we have on used cars. Well, guess what? When I get a lead on a used car, nine times out of ten, it's on an age car you're blowing out and you're losing five hundred. So I'm going to get the lead and I'll get to go sell the car. And all you get to do is go get all the cars you sell, you lose money on. I'm like, well, we cut. And then in the meantime, when I do have other deal, he's trying to steal my trade because you know he felt it. it's like gosh. But that goes back to your communication part. 
yes. and understanding. It's like, hey, guys, if that used car manager came to me and said, hey, guys, I'm sorry, you're going to get a bunch of deals uh, probably on these 20 cars because I'm just blew them out. You, you know, you can probably have a bunch of minis, but here's what I'll do for you. And I'm just looking out for you because I know you're going to probably get a ton of leads. So just be aware of that. And I'll, I'll understand, you know, and I, I understand you're going to take a hit and you know, I'll try to figure out a way out of it and make it up to you somewhere. Right. Um, if they had a communication like that, I probably have more respect for them. But it was, you know. Yes. No, you're you're 100 right. Hey guys, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time today, and uh, man, we we kind of touched a little bit of everything from you know um, uh, development and getting to developments and investing either in your time and your money. You know, we we we've covered you know kind of some amazing processes. Get right with your inventory, get communication great, making your marketing, understanding your branding. Bam, we covered a bunch of stuff. You know, and then lastly, just you know the. The tips and tricks of fostering employee engagement and growth. Again, you know, it, it, it comes to intentionality. Again, the whole concept, the whole purpose of this podcast, guys, is for you to be proactive, not reactive. Um, Jason, I can't tell you, I really appreciate the time today because this has been a lot of fun. And just, you know, overall, it's just unleashing the potential of a dealership. Guys, if you just take even one or possibly even two of the things that we discussed today, I think you're going to see some serious movement um, within your own dealership's operations. Yes, sir. Hey, Jason. Uh, for everybody out there um, who's watching, make sure you follow Jason Rice online. I'm Jason Harris with Strategy with Jason. If you like this content and you want to see more of this, go visit theupbus.com where we'll be posting new uh, new episodes and some great tidbits and chunks. Jason, again, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. This has been a lot of fun. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Up Bus Podcast with your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. To stay up to date with all our content, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.